Great, we're going to be hanging out in 2 Chronicles chapter 13 today, uh, so do grab your Bible. Uh, while you're doing that, let me just catch you up on the story so far. So 2 Chronicles chapter 1, we start to read about Solomon becoming king, taking on the throne from his father David. And then we read the story of Solomon building the temple and dedicating the temple for God, and God just turning up pouring out his presence, the glory of the Lord showing up and and saying, yes, this is the place where I want to meet with my people, where I want them to find me, where I want to be discovered by them, where I want to heal their sicknesses, forgive their sins um, and lead them to victory and and all of that going on there. And then we read that the rest of Solomon's life happens um, and then eventually he dies. And if you've been reading through the daily Bible readings this week, you would have been reading this. Solomon dies and he hands over the throne to his son Rehoboam. Now, just to say, if you haven't read that this week, um, we'd love to invite you to get involved in reading the Bible. As a church, we're reading the Bible together in two years, just a little bit every day over two years. And you can find the daily readings on our website under the We're Reading the Bible join in section. Uh, So I encourage you to go and do that. Our home groups are following along with that as well. So it's a great way to, uh, to read it together, to unpack together what is going on in the daily Bible reading. So you're not journeying this on your own. We want to be like it says in Psalm 1, uh, those who delight in the Lord and become those who are planted like trees with deep roots, sucking up that water and producing fruit. And we believe that happens as we hang out in the word of God. We grow and we grow together. So I want to encourage you to do that. If you're not in a home group, we're we're looking to start more home groups. We just launched another one this week. Really excited about that. Do get in touch with me if you'd like to be in a home group. So, um, daily Bible reading. That's where we're up to. Rehoboam becomes king. Now, you may, uh, if you've read it this week, you may know this, but Rehoboam, he doesn't get off to a great start. Rehoboam manages to upset some people and it goes a little bit beyond that and he actually divides the whole kingdom in two and and he ends up becoming king of the southern kingdom, the southern part, which is known as Judah. And then another guy called Jeroboam ends up becoming king of the northern kingdom. And then eventually Rehoboam dies and his son Abijah becomes king and takes his place as king of Judah. And that's where we get to in chapter 13. Now we're going to read chapter 13 verses 1 to 12 together. So here we go. In the 18th year of the reign of Jeroboam, Abijah became king of Judah, and he reigned in Jerusalem three years. His mother's name was Machah, a daughter of Uriel of Gibeah. There was war between Abijah and Jeroboam. Abijah went into battle with an army of 400,000 able fighting men. And Jeroboam drew up a battle line against him with 800,000 able troops. Abijah stood on Mount Zemarim in the hill country of Ephraim and said, Jeroboam and all Israel, listen to me. Don't you know that the Lord, the God of Israel, has given the kingship of Israel to David and his descendants forever by a covenant of salt? Yet Jeroboam, son of Nebat, an official of Solomon, son of David, rebelled against his master. Some worthless scoundrels gathered around him and opposed Rehoboam, son of Solomon, when he was young and indecisive and not strong enough to resist them. 
And now you plan to resist the kingdom of the Lord, which is in the hands of David's descendants. You are indeed a vast army and have with you the golden calves that Jeroboam made to be your gods. But didn't you drive out the priests of the Lord, the sons of Aaron and the Levites, and make priests of your own as the peoples of other lands do? Whoever comes to consecrate himself with a young bull and seven rams may become a priest of what are not gods. As for us, the Lord is our God and we have not forsaken him. The priests who serve the Lord are sons of Aaron and the Levites assist them. Every morning and every evening they present burnt offerings and fragrant incense to the Lord. They set out the bread on the ceremonially clean table and light the lamps on the gold lampstand every evening. We are observing the requirements of the Lord our God, but you, you have forsaken him. God is with us. He is our leader. His priests with their trumpets will sound the battle cry against you. People of Israel, do not fight against the Lord, the God of our ancestors. For you will not succeed. Great. We're going to stop just there. But if you keep reading on what you discover is that Rehoboam, uh, sorry, Jeroboam and Abijah go to war. Um, and Abijah, he, he wins. He's victorious. So, so what we see there then, chapter 13, uh, Abijah's become king. Jeroboam in the north. They're at war with one another. Uh, they go to battle and Abijah's got these 400,000 men. Uh, but Jeroboam's got 800,000 men, double the size of the army, double the size of the power. We, we read there uh, that the Abijah and his people, they've got Yahweh, they've got their one God. Uh, but Jeroboam has made two golden calves um, and, and has set them up as their gods. They've got two gods. Um, and, and so there's just this idea of numbers there that one is bigger and is outweighing the other. At least that's how it appears. Um, Jeroboam got rid of all the priests and they invited anyone to become a priest who wanted to be a priest. All they had to do was pay a certain amount. We read about that just there. And, and, and I love the wording of that, that anyone then they could become priests to that which are not gods, but they become priests of it. And, and it's sad, hey, because if you flick back to Exodus chapter 19, these guys are paid to become priests. But you go back to Exodus chapter 19 and verses 5 and 6. And there we find God speaking through Moses to the whole of Israel. And he says this to them. He says, now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So God pulls Moses aside and says, hey, I want you to tell the Israelites this. If they walk with me, if they stay in relationship with me, then every single one of them will be a priest. They will be a, a holy people. There will be a nation of priests. And, and, and I want to say this to you today, church, that was not just true of those people back there, but it is also true of you and me as well. Listen to this from uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Speaking to the church, Peter writes this, he says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. 
Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Those of you who put your faith in Jesus have become priests. You see, Actually, that's true of every human being. We are all priests because back in Genesis, we were made to be those that bared his image. And that is what a priest does. A priest is a reflector, a connector, a representer. That is what a priest is. Someone who holds themselves up to God and reflects, represents and presents him out to the world around. Invites others in to know him and see him in their lives through them uh, to connect with this God. That is what it means to be a priest. And you see, every human being is a priest. We were all made to be mirrors, billboards, those that bear an image, those that reflect an image. The question isn't if you are a priest. The question is, what are you a priest of? Let me ask you that. What do you carry? What do you bear the image of? What do you reflect into the world around you? I wonder, ask the people near you. What do they see you reflecting into their lives? Because that's what we are all doing. We are all made to reflect something. And the direction your life is pointed in will affect what you reflect into the world. I wonder if you uh, are a priest to grumpiness, anger and bitterness or a priest to joy, grace and love. I wonder if you are reflecting selfishness, envy and pride, or if you're reflecting charity, hope and generosity. I wonder if you are bearing indulgence, love of money and must-have culture, or whether you're bearing contentment, rest and peace. I wonder Uh, Are you reflecting into the world? Are you being a priest of things like image, self-image, sex, power? Or or are you being someone who carries beauty, commitment and humility? Are you a priest to that which are not gods or to the one true God? You see, in 2 Chronicles chapter 14, talking about Rehoboam, it says this, Two Chronicles chapter 12, sorry, verse 14, it says this. He did evil because he had, and it doesn't say he did evil because he had done this, he'd murdered someone, he'd taken money, he'd lied to someone, he'd stolen something. It doesn't say that, it says this. He did evil because he had not set his heart on seeking the Lord. You see, we like to define good and evil in all kinds of ways. We base it upon the things that people do. But the Bible doesn't define good and evil like that. The Bible is really clear on how it defines good and evil. Let me give you an example straight from the mouth of Jesus. Someone comes up to Jesus and says, a good teacher, tell me this. And Jesus' first response is to turn around to them and say, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Only God is good. Only God is good. You and me, it doesn't matter how many good things we do. It doesn't matter what we we do based on worldly standards, how nice we are to people, etc, etc, etc. Only God is good and we only become good when we are totally pointed at him, reflecting him. When we allow his spirit to fill us and to make his home in us. When we allow his spirit to shape us and transform us from glory to glory more and more into the image of Jesus. That's how we become good. Goodness isn't about what you do. 
Goodness is about who you are in and who is in you and who you are pointed at. Is it God? Because only God is good. And you see the things I listed earlier on, love, joy, grace, uh, patience, peace, rest. They are the very character and nature of what our God is like. They're the fruit of the spirit. And the only way that you will consistently uh, reflect and produce and offer that into the world around you is to let his spirit well up within you and to be pointed at him reflecting his goodness and his character all the other things that they are are they're reflections of other things that you are pointed at and so we need to align ourselves to him today so here's my question then how do we know what kind of priest we're being are we being priests of Yahweh of Jesus or are we being priests of that which are not God's. Well, the three ways that you can know that I want to pull out of this passage. The, the first one then is this, your source, your God. Uh, in this story we read, don't we, about uh, Abijah and, and the people of Judah. And they say, hey, Yahweh is our God. And then there's the Jeroboam and the people of Israel. And they've got these two golden calves as their gods. And that should be ringing alarm bells already. Because where have these golden calves come from? Like, whoa, hang on, flashback to the, the journey of the Exodus where they created a golden calf and God was angry with them. They set that up thinking that was their God and it wasn't. And that actually leaped back into Egypt. Well, they got that idea from the Egyptians who worshipped around golden calves. They borrowed that from somewhere else. Where is your God come from? The thing that you're building your life around, what is leading you? What is shaping who you are? What have you bought into? What have you decided to partner with? Was it given to you by another human being? Was it given to you by this world? Was it offered into your life because of some circumstances around you? Or was it put in you by the Spirit of God? Because only the Spirit, only the Holy Spirit can reveal to us Jesus. The Bible says only by the Spirit can you confess that Jesus is Lord. You see, only the Spirit reveals Jesus to us and only Jesus leads us to the Father. If it's anything else and it's come from anywhere else, then you are looking and pointing towards something that is not God. Jesus says uh, this, he says in Matthew 5, uh, that, that even anger is murder. In, in 1 John chapter 3 verse 15, it literally says that, that if you hate your brother, then you are a murderer. You see, what is going on there is this. You might be pointed and reflecting out of your life a bit of anger. Like, oh, they've annoyed me. I've got a bit of hate towards them right now and reflecting that out. But you see, anger and hatred, they are dim reflections of something much bigger. If you're reflecting that out, it's because your mirror is pointed to, 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 to murder. Your mirror is pointed towards something really bad and you are dimly reflecting back out anger and hate. They're all connected. Uh, and, and, and so what you're pointed at is really, really important. What is the source? What does it look like? Look at your life. Like, what are you reflecting? Because what you're reflecting has come from somewhere. And then you need to ask, well, is that of God? And how do we do that? Well, that's really simple. Does it line up with scripture? There's no other way. Does it line up with scripture? Uh, does it line up with the character of Jesus? If it doesn't, then it is not of God and you are pointed at something else. And, and we need to be honest about that. When I see things in my life and I look and I think that doesn't look like I'm reflecting light. That doesn't look like I'm bearing goodness. That's come from somewhere else. When I look at the scriptures and I look at the source of that, I'm like, that's not what God is like. Therefore, I am pointed in a different direction right now. 
What is your source? What are you pointed at? Check your life against the scriptures. When you're talking with people, are you having wholesome conversations or unwholesome conversations? Is there a little bit of kind of negative talk about the people around you? Then that is not of God. The Bible is really clear. There should be no unwholesome talk among you, it says. All kinds of other things. We could go through all the different things. And at times we experience them. We need to readjust our mirror, readjust our lives back towards Jesus so that we reflect him and not anything else. And how do we check our source? We check it against the scriptures. Point two then is this cost or call has it cost you or were you called when you read this passage what you read here is that in verse seven uh, anyone could become a priest to these golden calves all they had to do sorry not verse seven verse nine all they had to do was to consecrate themselves with a young bull and seven rams and become a priest of that which are not god's what are you a priest to? What are you reflecting? And, and let me ask you this. Has it cost you or were you called? You see, cost, it leaves you less than. Cost is something that you give out, you pay out, and it leaves you with less than what you had in the first place. But a call, it empowers you. It builds you up. It calls you into something. It invites you to something. Is the thing that you're reflecting bringing you to life or is it robbing you of life? That's a good way to know if you've been called to it or whether it's cost you something. Is it bringing you to life or robbing you of life? Uh, another way to know is this. A, a call is a commitment and it happens consistently and you're living in it. If it's cost you, then it's a one-off payment and you've paid it and then you're living under it. So let me explain what I mean. Cost is a one-off payment. It all goes back to something that happened at some point in your life. A situation that cost you, it wounded you, it hurt you deeply. It, it cost your pride or it cost you a friendship or it cost you trusting in people. And now, now you live broken, reflecting anger or, or something else out into the world. If that's what you're reflecting, the chances are you paid dearly for that at some point. Uh, maybe you didn't want to. Maybe you got caught up in it. Maybe it was what was offered to you and, and it cost you. But now you're reflecting that and you're living under that. A call is something that you live in daily. Look at this in verse 11. It says, uh, you're talking about these guys. These are the sons of Aaron. They're called to this. This is the call on their lives. And it says, every morning and evening they present burnt offerings and fragrant incense to the Lord. They set out the bread on the ceremonially clean table and light the lamps on the golden stands every evening. This is something they're doing all the time hey we've been called into it and it's given us purpose and life and meaning and we're engaging in it because it's alive now and it's real and we're living in this it's not something in the past that is still hanging over us it's something that is in the here and now that we're called to and we're living out cost or call that's another way to know what you're being a priest to are you called to it and is it producing life in you are you committed to it every day i want to pick up my bible and i want to read i want to pray i want to be in jesus presence i want to ask his spirit to fill me i want to worship him and wait on him why because there's a call on me to be in relationship with him to reflect him to be his child that call is on you as well that call is on you as well. Are you living in that call or are you living under the cost of something that you've paid out that's less, left you less than? The third thing then, the final thing is outcome. Outcome. We stopped reading at verse 12. But if you keep reading, like I said at the beginning, um, Abijah goes on to win the battle. 
You see, the outcome for, for these guys, they trust in God. They're like, God is with us. He is our leader. We're going to sound the battle cry because he is our God and he has the victory. And they go on to win the victory. Abijah has the victory because God has the victory. And I want to say that to you today. If, if you are being a priest of Jesus, if you are pointed towards him, he has the victory. They nailed him to a cross and he rose from the grave, conquering death, beating the ultimate enemy. He has the victory. And if you are living as a priest of his, if you are reflecting him, then you're reflecting victory into your life. Now, that doesn't mean that things around you won't be difficult, but you are radiating hope and peace and joy into every situation, even when it's hard. You are reflecting victory. And so I ask you this today. Is there victory in your life or are you being defeated? Is there hope and joy and peace springing forth in your life? Or are you being crushed and overcome by something else? That's another way to know where we're pointed. Because if we're pointed towards Jesus, then we're pointed towards hope. We're pointed towards that promise that never perishes, diminishes, spoils or fades. And, and that glorious joy can live in us because we're pointed towards him, even though this world is hard sometimes. Now, I want to wrap up then by saying this. M maybe you realise that, that you have areas of your life that you're struggling with. Maybe a part of your life or maybe the whole of your life. But thankfully, if you are struggling, if you are feel like, yeah, I'm not reflecting peace. I'm not carrying hope and joy. I'm not carrying that which I know is the character of God. So therefore, I'm carrying something else, which at times we all do. Well, I have good news for you today, because if you are aware of anything in your life like that, then we have a great high priest who wants to reflect into us perfect love who wants to reflect into our lives a, a, a hope that can change everything else and shift everything else turn with me as we wrap up to hebrews chapter 4 uh, verses 14 to 16 they say this therefore since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven jesus the son of god let us hold firmly to the faith we profess for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weakness. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weakness. We've got a high priest who wants to reach into the situations, the hurt, the pain, the brokenness, the things that we are carrying. And he wants to be with us in it and he wants to transform it and he wants to bring his hope and his life and his joy and his peace to all of that. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Thankfully, he knows what it is for us to go through those things, but he has overcome in a way that we cannot on our own. How good is that? How good is that? Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Because he is our great high priest, we can approach God's throne with confidence. How amazing. If we were pointed in the wrong direction, if we've been reflecting brokenness and hurt and pain and all kinds of things like that, we've got one that will graciously turn us back towards himself so that we can reflect who he is. I want to just end on, on one last little note then, just a little side point, really, a reflection as I was thinking about this that I think is really important for us. 
Like I said, you are a priest and I am a priest. And the person sitting next to you, if there's someone right now, is a priest. And your neighbour is a priest. And your mother, your son, your brother, your sister, the person you work with, the people that you're part of church with, they're all priests. It's not a question of whether they're a priest. It's a question of what they are a priest of. We all reflect that which we are pointed towards in life. And so I want to ask you this. Who is around you and what are they reflecting into your life? Who are you walking with? Who are you side by side with? Who are you shoulder to shoulder with on the battle line? Because it is important and it matters. I want to be like in in the army of Upajah, shoulder to shoulder with those who were so confident that God was their leader, pointed towards him. I want to be shoulder to shoulder with them because whoever I'm shoulder to shoulder with, they're a priest as well. And they'll be reflecting stuff into my life. And so it matters. Let me ask you, are you shoulder to shoulder with? Have you got around you? Are you doing life with people that are committed to praying for you? Are you doing life with people that say, yeah, we love to hang out and drink tea and coffee, eat food together, go to the cinema, whatever it is you love to do together. But also we love to just open the Bible together. We just want to read the word of God together and encourage one another in it. I want people like that around me. I want us as church to be that to one another. That's what our home groups are hopefully about, getting around one another. It's not just about the social element. It is about being shoulder to shoulder with one another, being priests to one another and reflecting the goodness of God into each other's lives. I want someone to be a priest to me who will hold me up when I am down, who will speak hope and joy into me when I am struggling. That is what we want in our lives. That is what I want for us to be as church to one another. I'm not saying to you, get rid of anyone who isn't that. We're called to be in the world and reflect to it. But I am saying to you, church, it is really important who you have around you. Do you have good people around you who are reflecting the glory of God into your lives? And if you don't, if you don't have people that are reflecting hope and joy and peace and goodness and love into your life, then do something about that. Do something about that. Maybe you're not in a home group or joining a home group would be a great way to do that. but if you don't do that and and if you've got christian friends and that's not what you do then be bold and challenge one another it's time to change it's time for us to really be pointed at jesus to see amazing things happen and so get your christian friends around you and say hey yeah sure i want to get together and have a glass of wine i want to hang out and chat life but actually it'd be really good maybe if we could pray for one another as well and it might be awkward at first because we haven't done that before but but pray for one another read the bible together Be shoulder to shoulder. Who is being your priest is really important and what you are being to them matters. Point each other towards Jesus. Graciously lift each other up when you are not pointed in that direction and point each other back that way. What are you pointed at? Are you living in what you're called to? And are you living in victory? Three ways to test what we're reflecting and what kind of priest we're being. Maybe it's that thing we said already, you're struggling with something. Well, I just want to encourage you now, press pause. Take a moment and be real with God and just confess where you're at with him and ask Jesus to point you back again. We're going to worship in a moment, but let me just pray first. Father, thank you for who you are. You are good. You are good, Lord. There is no one like you. We want to be pointed towards you. We want to be restored to what you called us to be at the beginning. We want to be those that bear your image, that live in your victory, those that reflect your goodness into the world, those that experience the fullness of life that comes from knowing that we're called to be your children. 
good where we haven't been right now we lay that stuff down we own that stuff and we just lay it before you and say hey we've been pointing this way or that way and we ask now your spirit to come and graciously just turn us back to you point us back to you